Looking to be more nomadic and less traditional? You're in the right place. Broadcasting from Canmore, Alberta, welcome to the Mountain Life Podcast. The stories of life, work, and play in the Bow Valley. Recorded in the E equals MC Squared co-workplace with your host, Jason Beckdash. Welcome everybody to the Mountain Life Podcast. This is Jason Beckdash and in studio with me today, I have Sunshine. Sunshine, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Great, well thanks for being here. So uh, yeah, the Mountain Life Podcast is all about um, living, working and playing in the Bow Valley and we'd love to get your perspective on doing all three. So um, I guess we'll just start with um, a little bit about you and and where you came from and how did you end up in Canmore? All right. Um... So I was actually born in Taipei, Taiwan, and uh, our family moved to Kitchener-Waterloo in Ontario near Toronto in 1976-77. And so I pretty much just grew up in southwestern Ontario in Kitchener-Waterloo, ended up going to school at the University of Waterloo, and I was pretty sure that I would be a lifelong resident of Kitchener-Waterloo, being the kind of tech capital of Canada now. (laughs) And uh, yeah, last summer uh, in 2016, between June and July, I attended a a residency at the Banff Centre for social innovation called Getting to Maybe, a social innovation residency for a month. And we had a solo day there. And my partner and I had already been in the process of um, consolidating our household. So I had already put my house on the market and we had talked about, you know, where would we end up if we had a choice. And I was sitting out at the uh, Spray Lakes in Kananaskis. And when I got back, I turned to Linda, my partner, and said, what do you think about moving out here? And uh, she actually has a close friend who lives in Canmore, and they started the campaign. So for two weeks, I was heavily bombarded with how great life could be. And uh, so that was in July. And in November, we had sold everything and made the drive across the country and now live in Canmore. Cool. Well, how long was your residency at the BAM Center? It was just a month. Well, it wasn't just a month. Okay. It was a month. Okay. And then, and then um, c- could you describe the program in a little bit more detail? So it was, did you say so, social innovation? Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was kind of through the leadership program. Okay. And it was called Getting to Maybe, a Social Innovation Residency, based on the work of Francis Wesley uh, at the University of Waterloo. So there was a fascinating okay. connection right? Uh, Waterloo and here anyway. And um, uh, so I had known some of the people, and they worked closely with Suncor Energy Foundation, and so do I, doing some of their documentary work for... Um, their community investment projects called The Gathering. And uh, so the residency itself is about social innovation and social enterprise, people looking to be able to make change at a systems level or make some kind of impact in a a larger scale uh, in the social arena. And uh, having known some of these folks, they just suggested, you know, you should really apply. And, uh, you know, the prospect of spending a month in Banff 
and courtesy of other entities. Um, yeah, it was uh, um, the residency was actually paid for by the Suncor Energy Foundation and supported by other uh, patrons and. Uh, and it was this kind of remarkable combination of the work that the University of Waterloo was doing with social innovation. So they focused a bit more on the academic side. Okay. Um, you know, how to do, uh, you know, systems mapping, change theory, uh, looking for opportunities to um, uh, see how to build partnerships with unconventional or un kind of suspecting partners, how to collaborate. Um, and a lot of the work that's being done across Canada through the McConnell Family Foundation, uh, other entities like the Tamarack Institute, Social Innovation Generation. And the brilliant part with apparent was that apparently Suncor Energy Foundation said, you know, we really love the work that you are doing and seeing how it does benefit communities. And we're wondering if you can come and work with the Banff Center because we think Very cool. there's something that we can combine here and create something that's kind of very unique, maybe in the country even. And so working with the Banff folk, they brought uh, environmental component, uh, an indigenous uh, perspective with Indigenous faculty. So mm -hmm. when they put it all together, what you got was uh, a kind of program that no university could really offer and only the Banff Center could do it because of where it's located. So they brought with them a lot of internal work. So the program kind of worked with a format of self-reflection and then looking outward. Oh, okay. A kind of okay. change you wish to see in the world, kind of. So how do we uh, look inward and see what it is that uh, we're really... Uh, motivated by, inspired, or what are we looking to change within ourselves, and then how does that then impact our, you know, surroundings, our neighborhoods, our communities, and, you know, even beyond. So when you put it all together, and for me, perhaps one of the most profound moments was actually we had a kind of off the bat, one of our first exercises was called Talking to Rocks and Trees. Okay. <laughs> And at first, it's like, sure, <laughs> you know, and, and, and they were very specific about, you know, this exercise. And they said, you know, so we're going to invite you to come on to some of the, the, the kind of um, grounds of the Banff Center that's a, a little bit outside the, like, where all the buildings are. Okay. Kind of into the wild, as it were, in the Banff Center. And we're going to ask you to do three things, or not to do three things. Okay. First is once, um, uh, and the exercise is as follows. First, we're going to ask you to find a threshold, you know, something that looks like you're going to cross. Okay. In the... Like physically? Yeah. Okay. okay. Whether it's a, you know, a log, uh, you know, trees that are kind of like a gateway or something. And just mentally think about it as a, as a threshold that you're crossing. Okay. And once you've crossed the threshold, we're going to ask you not to do three things. Don't talk to anybody. Don't um, enter any buildings. And three, don't, don't eat anything you find. <laughs> 
Okay. So it was just like, okay. <laughs> and then, so, you know, when I was saying that there is this combination of the academic work of social innovation generation and the getting to maybe through University of Waterloo and the Banff Center, this is kind of that merging. So they told us the exercise from a kind of academic or theory perspective is called uh, uh, Strange Attractors and Powerful Strangers. Okay, okay. All right. So they said, so once you cross the threshold, you're not doing the three things we told you about. Again, you know, don't talk to people, don't go into buildings, and don't eat anything you find. Then we're going to ask you to find something that calls to you, that attracts you, and go to it. Okay. Some feature in the landscape or, you know, and this is this strange attractor or powerful stranger. And then we're going to ask you to have a conversation with whatever it is that attracts you. And, okay. And be as, you know, um, uh, uh, close and intimate and share things that, you know, that will make it very personal to you. And like you said, I mean, this thing could be a, a rock or a tree or some other facet of the environment past that threshold. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I started looking and I found a beautiful rock. I headed towards it. Somebody beat me to it. So then I had to go find another rock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so I found this, you know, rock. It was about knee, knee high, a little higher than knee high. And uh, it was a pretty big rock. And so I say, oh, all right. I guess I, I talk to it now. It's like, hello, rock. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I remember, I remember saying, you know, can I sit down? And I heard a distinct no. Really? Yes. Like uh, audibly or just no, it was just, in your mind? Just in my mind. Okay, it was okay. Just like, no. Okay. So, okay, I'll just walk around. <laughs> yeah. And this looked like an old rock, right? Because there are things growing on it. Okay. Kind of beginnings of, 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 of tree saplings and moss. And it looked like in itself, it was a kind of world into itself, right? Okay. So, you know, it's like, oh, have you been around a long time? Yes. You, you seem like it, right? So, yeah, and they said, you know, speak you know, intimately with it and, and, and uh, have a, a, a real dialogue and conversation with it. Okay. So, you know, I'm really worried if I'm making the right decisions in my life, that uh, am I making the right choices and, and uh, making the kind of impact I'd like to see. <laughs> Sorry, let me stop you. And at this time, were you you and Linda already thinking about making a move or a change? Nope. Okay, okay. So this is before. Not at all. This is okay. Just, this is what, okay. Exercise one, right? First day of the okay. of the session, right? And uh, so you know, I hear. So I ask, you know, Rock, am I making the right choices? And I, I don't care. <laughs> so my business. Yeah. It's like great. I got one of these like really cranky rocks or something. Right? Totally. <laughs> but you know, and I'm sorry. This is a long about way of getting to it. No, it was no. a fascinating experience because then you know, um, and I remember asking, you know, you know, I'm part of this session, and there's all these people. There's actually 30 participants, mm -hmm. and uh, I said, you know, is there anything I should take away and share with my group from this conversation? And then I heard. Fear not, you're supported. 
Okay. Huh. Let's... <laughs> I'm looking around. Well, that's not me. I... <laughs> All right. Yeah, you know, so... Yeah, I spent a little bit more time, and then and then time was running out. And then my last question to it was, well, is there anything I should take away from our conversation here, Rock? Well, actually, there was one little detail, too, was, you know, then I asked, wait a second, you're a pretty big rock. Are you a rock? Are you the mountain? <laughs> okay. Because it was kind of an outcropping in our mountain. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this is a different conversation. <laughs> no doubt. And then, so, you know, at the end, I asked, so, Mountain, is there anything I should take away from our conversation for myself? And I heard, there is more. And I think, there is more what? <laughs> so I took my hand and I put it on the rock, and I hear, there is more love in this mountain than fear in your heart. Okay, okay. And now I think, <laughs> okay, I don't talk like that. I don't. <laughs> you know, what is this about, right? Yeah. So this was the kind of uh, kind of opening shot by the mountains. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, to say, all right. I suddenly said, you know, had this feeling that, you know, the the opportunity to talk to rocks and trees, maybe I haven't taken the opportunity myself <clears throat> wherever I was or whatever I've been doing. And so for myself anyway, part of the the, the uh, profound effect of the residency was this, it, it came back kind of once or twice or more about my relationship with the environment around me. And the uh, next kind of really great milestone was one of our Indigenous faculty, Don McIntyre, showed us an Indigenous medicine wheel. And uh, he said, you know, what you're seeing here with the, the four colors and the, the, the segments or the quadrants, the different colors, what you're seeing is this is, this is about balance. And it's about balance with yourself, balance with your... Uh, the people around you, your family, your neighbors, your community, mm -hmm. uh, and balance with your environment, and then balance with the unseen world, as it were, the the world of spirits and you know, uh, creator. And I remember when he showed me that, or when he showed it to us, I distinctly had uh, a feeling that, wow, I am out of balance. And he had said, if any one of these is out of balance, you're out of balance. Okay, yeah. And I thought, I had a distinct sense that I'm really out of balance when it comes to my connection with nature, as it were, like this, you know, taking the opportunities to talk to rocks and trees. And I know it sounds kind of a little new agey and, 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 uh, woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> but the process of that, um, uh, of many of those sessions started me on a path where, you know, there really is an unseen world. Uh, and I'm not talking too far in terms of, um, uh, uh, you know, too new agey, but I mean, you know, there's an ecosystem at work, and I hadn't paid much attention to it. 
and my experience working uh, and living in southwestern Ontario, especially in Waterloo, which was, you know, for those of you who didn't know, Waterloo is the home of uh, research in motion mm-hmm. and open text and a lot of big tech companies and has now become the kind of startup capital of Canada when it comes to tech and, uh, and um, innovation. And it's a very brainy place, right? And sure. there's also these institutes like the uh, Stephen Hawking Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics and the Quantum Institute for Computing and, you know, a whole host of these things. But, you know, I think because of the environment as well, you know, it isn't beautiful kind of uh, landscapes and, and kind of gorgeous you know, nature around mm-hmm. us. There is nature, but it's a much quieter, you know, it's rolling hills, agricultural lands, but that connection just isn't as deep. And, you know, when you say smell roses or take time to kind of clear your head, it's not the same thing. So when I got here, all of a sudden it's like, this is, I could feel parts of my brain suddenly turn on and okay. parts of my my even being, if I could say, just suddenly be invited or called to have a different kind of relationship. So, wow. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, uh, I, I would imagine with you sort of going through this like personal conversion of sorts um have you have you been back to have you been back home or back to a major city yes how do you sort of notice that difference i I am finding uh i was in waterloo in february and it was unnerving okay Um, yeah you know the i remember there was a joke one of uh uh, linda's friends uh had said when we were first moving out and looking at where to live and we were looking at uh Kinanaskis Way and he said, Oh, you know, this is really dense out there. They're starting to talk about like five and six story tall. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And in Waterloo, there's a, a, a boom of sorts of student housing, 18 mm-hmm. to 22 story, you know, high rise, dedicated student housing, student condos, and they're just mushrooming around the city. And, and this is not like looking at a mountain. It is not like looking yeah. at a sunrise. And, and, and I, uh, you know, uh, we have a couple of dogs, so we take walks, and we found a place that uh, looks uh, towards uh, Lady Mac, or Lady Donald Mountain, and Grassy, and uh, that side of the valley. And uh, being back in Waterloo, I had to walk to go pick up my car, which is about the same distance as walking from our place to downtown here in Canmore. Mm-hmm. And... And I remember talking to my partner, Linda, saying, oh, my God, I don't know that I can really take this. <laughs> it's gray. It was during that period, I think, they had no sunlight. So for a week I was there, there was no sunlight. You know, one of the great parts here is at least clouds blow away. Yeah. Sudden kind of makes an appearance at least once a day. Yeah. But it suddenly... Um, uh, reinforced the the, the the decision that coming out here and Linda and I, we really became um, 
kind of uh, our move was motivated around this idea that we're moving here for our mental and physical health and well-being. Yeah. And that that was going to become a priority, which I can honestly say kind of hadn't ever been. You know, we work, we did our thing, but, you know, we went to the gym, we did these things, but, you know, it was always a a bit of an afterthought that it wasn't a a main priority of how we were going to live. So moving out here has been a real kind of revolution in, in, in how we choose to fill our days and the activities that we undertake. The Mountain Life Podcast with Jason Beckdash. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. Just a quick message. This podcast is brought to you by E equals MC squared. Now, did you know that Canmore has a co-working space? So what that means is that you can come in and you can focus on getting your work done. E equals MC squared has meeting rooms available. It has high-speed internet, access to a printer. And I think the greatest part about it is you get to rub shoulders with like-minded people. So if you're working from home in Canmore, or maybe you're just coming through the Bow Valley and need a place to focus, I would recommend you check out E equals MC squared. Thanks. And we'll go back to the podcast. Back to the show, the Mountain Life Podcast with Jason Beckdash. I want to get to your work and how the move and your experience here has maybe impacted some of the work that you do. And you you have a little bit of an interesting uh, professional history because you you started out in architecture, right? Yeah. Uh, And then now you're doing something a little bit different, right? Yeah. So tell us about that. It's all sorts of things. So I, I was trained as an architect at the University of Waterloo. Um, and then ended up working on large-scale urban redevelopment of the city center. So I started my career in the government, uh, working with uh, the municipality, large developers, and uh, we talked about the kind of vision of what um, uh, these large-scale developments were, what it would mean to the city. And, uh, and at the time, there was a lot of high-tech uh, in Waterloo that was um, high-tech around media production. Okay, yeah. And just as a quick little aside, I had once uh, did a co-op work term in Berkeley, and uh, the office I was at actually got a call one day, and it was fascinating, right? They said, yeah, uh, they had a client who was working for... ABC got by Walt Disney. Right, okay. And so I was in Berkeley, and then they got a call, and they said, hey, there's a division in uh, uh, Walt Disney, a group we're working with. We're looking for new headquarters out in uh, Emeryville, which is next door to Berkeley. Okay. And, uh, and they said, yeah, and uh, they want to like renovate an old industrial building into their new headquarters. Okay. And, you know, our partner said, well, what's the company? Let's pick something. <laughs> uh, so it was Pixar. 
But anyways, uh, that kind of opened my eyes. And, 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 you know, I worked in an office where people took sabbaticals to mm-hmm. go and work at Skywalker Ranch. Okay. <laughs> so I met a guy who, you know, he's a little bit older, not too old, but he said, I worked on the Millennium Falcon Oh wow! in Return of the Jedi in Empire, I think, or something like that. And it was like, holy crap, right? Yeah. And um, so kind of understanding Skywalker Ranch, that there was this kind of creative hub, right, in in, in, North, in Marin County, north of, of San Francisco, right? Um, started to kind of put, uh, give me the opportunity to connect some dots. So in Waterloo, there were um, companies working on new, uh, you know, film cameras, other companies working on sound, other companies working, you know, at the time, RIM was at its peak, Mm -hmm. you know, video playing pocket devices, you know, like it was an ecosystem that you said, what's going on? But one of the, the, the fascinating parts about it was, what um, we were missing was the drivers. So I did a little kind of table that uh, a chart for myself that you know we could match Skywalker Ranch in Waterloo, kind of blow by blow on the tech side. But what we were missing is what I called the drivers, the guys who create content. Okay. So we had no, you know, industrial light and magic, Skywalker animation. Um, you know, that these were the guys who created the content and worked with the technology. So in the process, I started to do this little project on the side to um, uh, advocate that we create something called a Center for Digital Arts Okay, in 2000. And so people said, we don't know what that is. I said, it's, uh, you know, I'm trying to explain. Sorry, and this is in 2000? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's early. Yeah, that's early for that. I mean, now when you hear, you know, a center like that or or a vocation like that, it's oh yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah. Um, back back then, and you know, I tried and I tried to explain. You know, it's a what does that mean? People would say it said it has has to do with creating a center or a hub like the MIT Media Lab mm-hmm. or anything that has to do with the visualization of information. Okay. Yeah, and at the time, like we had companies like Agfa, which is like the world's, one of the world's biggest uh, medical imaging companies that were, like the community knew it was going on and it was going on. Yeah. But the government and the municipality didn't understand what this was. So we said, you know, how do you kind of figure out new ways to collaborate and mm-hmm. advocate for something like this. Anyways, in the process, what happened that was really funny was I was taking these meetings with tech CEOs and, uh, and uh, you know, any meeting with a tech CEO is pretty intense. There's very little small talk and, you know, you have half an hour, you get in the room and it's go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in around that time, Apple released their Apple playing, their uh, video playing iPods. Okay. So I started making little videos saying, what is a center for digital arts? You know, so in five minutes, I made a video about all these kinds of different labs, like the MIT Media Lab, uh, labs in Helsinki, you know, like around the world. And so when I would walk into these meetings, you know, they said, well, what do you want? I said, you know, I feel better with me, you know, uh, and you can just put these headphones on and watch this for a moment. And uh, in five minutes, they said, okay, I get it. What do you need? Okay. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, 
this is efficient. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then around that time, a friend of mine saw what I was doing and she said, you know, why don't you do this? Like, what? Make these little videos? And she said, yeah. I go, people are going to pay me to make videos? <laughs> she said, yes, because it's really hard <laughs> to tell a story succinctly, efficiently, and with impact so that people want to know more. And uh, so I started to embark on this career change, and uh, moving to media was the other side. You know, in and around that time, I was inspired by a guy named Ken Burns, documentary making, uh, documentary maker out of the States. And he had produced these uh, documentaries on the Civil War, baseball, and jazz. Jazz was the one that really got me because, you know, I watched the jazz documentary and then went out and picked up a trumpet and started to oh, wow. learn how to play a trumpet. Uh, it's a long story. But, that's a whole <laughs> but anyways, and I thought, you know, this is really powerful. Architecture doesn't have the capacity at least as far as I've known, to inspire people to change their lives somehow. And all of a sudden, in the these documentaries and the filmmaking, I started to see these kinds of interesting opportunities to say, wow, this is a very powerful medium to communicate with. Mm -hmm. um, in some ways, the architecture training lent itself to it because uh, either case, you're translating ideas into some kind of form, whether it's a building or a video. So what was fascinating for me was making this transition and then having a, a kind of perspective that was different than many media trained people mm -hmm. that, um, you know, I don't necessarily think of things as a story that I already have in mind and trying to get you to tell the story I want you to tell mm -hmm. more like, you know, somebody asked, what's your dream house, you know, and that's, there's no structure and you have to begin and find clues somehow to tell these stories. This is a really long and, and, and drawn out way to say, you know, then in the process I started picking up clients and um, built a practice for myself and uh, you know coincidentally a lot of my clients came out of the west I did a lot of work out in Fort McMurray okay that then connected me to people in Calgary and then people in uh, even in Vancouver so as Linda and I kind of contemplated this move out here we said you know I need access to an airport uh, that's actually my primary um, one of my primary needs. And I don't know if any of these listeners here know just what kind of hellish environment the Pearson International Airport is around the Greater Toronto Area. <laughs> it's 100 kilometers away, yeah. but you can give yourself four hours and you still may not make your flight. <laughs> yeah. So suddenly this, this relationship between the Banff Center, or sorry, uh, Banff and Canmore and the Calgary International Airport suddenly makes life a lot easier. Mm -hmm. It is always 74 minutes. Mm -hmm. The Banff shuttle is beautiful and very luxurious and a kind of real dream to take. And, um, and so I started to talk to my clients here about the move and and you know, uh, kind of in an amusing way, they said, "Finally, you think we've been work feeding you work all these years without a master plan to get you out here?" <laughs> so now, um, 
uh, you know, like I was saying, I've been doing work with the Sangor Energy Foundation. I've been working with Reconciliation Canada in Vancouver, flying across the country with them as they host these national reconciliation gatherings and conversations about how to move forward. Um, uh, there are kind of opportunities starting to brew in Whitehorse and the Yukon. So I see this is the kind of uh, base camp for me yeah. for a kind of Western practice between this kind of Vancouver, Whitehorse, and Calgary. Um, and uh, uh, it's definitely pushing me outside, as it were. <laughs> That's great. Uh Sunshine, before I let you go, I want to still hear a little bit about that health aspect of your your move, right? Like that um, change that you and Linda were deliberate about making. Uh, what kind of stuff do you guys like to do in the area? Um, well, it one of the the major decisions we made was that we severely downsized. Okay. <laughs> Um, I joke, I ran a rooming house while I was in Kitchener-Waterloo. I had a, a, a six-bedroom house in the downtowns and had roommates and was getting tired of it. And it was way too much house for me and my dog and, and even me, my dog, Linda, and her dog. Yeah. And then Linda had a property too. And when we started looking, we said, um, well, why don't we get a one-bedroom instead of a two or anything larger? And uh, uh, with a small place, our thought was it will probably motivate us to be outside more. And then so, you know, we arrived in November and it was that beautiful November where you could still bike mm -hmm. and, you know, it was like 20 degrees. So yeah. we were, I think we were a bit uh, um, kind of lulled into, oh, winter's just going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> um, and I got uh, uh, co-working space here at the Equals MC Squared. Mm -hmm. And so it's about a 10-minute bike ride from my place. Um, and as we geared up for winter, I said, you know what? I'd really like to get a fat bike and try biking in the winter. Yeah, very cool. And then so um, even I've learned minus 36 is my limit. Minus 25 is comfortable, but 36, I think the bike actually starts to break down. Yeah. So I, I was able to bike through the winter. Um, Linda skied. Uh, one of the reasons we had to get here by November was Linda said, I am not missing a ski season okay <laughs> or you know well priorities priorities um and then you know i got here and i was joking with the bike guys at uh, outside sports and uh you know they said well you know and i had brought a commuter bike right and uh i thought i would get rid of you know at some point but then the commuter bike as spring rolled around it turns out it's really nice to have a commuter yeah, bike with tracks sure. and things so then they said well you know linda got a speed bike too and we, we rode the legacy trail once and all of a sudden i was like i need to ride the legacy trail on a speed bike. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then I just got my third road bike, which is the road bike, and we've been riding the Legacy Trail. And that has got to be one of the great experiences in the country, you know, to be able to ride your bike and look down the river valley and see the mountains beyond. 
is incredible. Um, and then there's just being outdoors. Um, you know, hikes. We try and do a couple of hikes a week now, get out to grassy lakes, and we joke that um, Linda saw a bumper sticker at the hill, uh, on the ski hill once, that uh, said, you know, my life is better than your vacation. And, you know, we said, you know, that's just like rubbing <laughs> totally to a yeah. wound. It's just, it's so mean. It's so mean. <laughs> And then it started to really hit home when, you know, we were, we were walking, uh, hiking uh, along grassy lakes and uh, um, seeing how busy it was on the long uh, weekend holiday. <laughs> and, um, and suddenly it kind of hit me anyway that, uh, wow, you know, for some of these people that we've entertained, we've now had more visitors than we ever had in Kitchener-Waterloo in yeah. the six months we've been here um, or so. And uh, we've taken them to Grassy and so forth. And, and, and it's hit home that for them, they may walk Grassy once in their life on their vacation. Mm -hmm. And for Linda and I, Grassy Lakes is our walk after dinner. Like, mm -hmm. That's mind-blowing, <laughs> you know, and let alone then you get into the, 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 the kind of more ambitious hikes or, you know, like we went to Spray Lakes and Kinanaskis Country and Lake Minnewanka or Tujac Lake that I think overall, if we came with this theory that our mental and physical well-being would improve, um... Like, I didn't know that my eating would change, and suddenly, you know, our eating would get better. We cook more at home. We eat healthier. Um, sleep better because we do things um, that get us to be exhausted, but that could exhausted. And um, the environment as a whole just supports uh, a kind of desire to be outside, to get out and do things and watch people, you know, that incredible moment at Grassy Lakes where we're doing our hike, but we see people playing on the, with their kids on the water and the, the rock climbers on the wall and uh, people running and jogging. Mm -hmm. And, and it is such a different environment where, uh, I came from in Kitchener-Waterloo where clearing my head meant I went to the mall. You know, here, clearing my head means I get to go and hang out in the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> so <laughs> that's uh, kind of what we've traded our life. And then on a, a separate uh, little fun note is the... Uh, we didn't know there would be so many new threats. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's the wildlife, sure, bears... You know, elk, uh, Rocky Mountain sheep, cougars, you know, but then, you know, avalanches, <laughs> you know, and floods and all these things. And um, so Linda and I went out to Avalanche Awareness Day. Okay. And it was staffed, and there were all these people who were search and rescue people. Yeah. And we were talking to them, and uh, we said, oh, we're volunteers. And we said, excuse me? Mm -hmm. They said, yeah, uh, we're a volunteer force out of Foothills. And uh, we said, 
you can volunteer to be in search and rescue? Hmm. Well, yes. Could we volunteer? Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, but you actually want to go to Cochrane, as Cochrane is closer geographically, and they serve, they get called out to support um, Canmore okay. and, uh, um, and the National Park, right? And so Linda and I said, that's badass. <laughs> <laughs> we would never do this in Kitchener Waterloo. Yeah. And so we showed up and it's awesome. They there's training, like, you know, monthly, they start to train us in... Well, it's, I mean, I would imagine it's quite a serious thing, right? Because not only are you sort of responsible for saving people, but you have to keep yourself safe as well, right? Right. So, you know, these skills, we just did radio training, you know, this week is different types of searches, maps and orientation. And we were saying, you know... How great is that to volunteer, to contribute? And the community is fascinating. I mean, these are interesting, no interesting people <laughs> who choose to do this kind of thing. And, you know, like one of my team leads in one of the exercises, he said, yeah, I'm ex-SWAT out of Calgary. And uh, uh, he was emergency response SWAT for the Calgary wow. Olympics. Very cool. And, you know, in the end, you know, maybe there is a kind of, I think we've joked in the past about a term uh, we used at the BAMP Center, you know, badassery. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's one thing to, you know, lead primarily a life behind the computer. And what we've really appreciated also is meeting people for whom the work and their work didn't identify who they were. It's part of, of what they do and who they are, but it's never the central issue. Yeah. And it is fascinating to come to a place, uh, meet people, um, for whom, yes, there's the work, and it's not, you know, they, there are sacrifices, there are, um, uh, uh, you know, things that you have to give up in order to make life work here. But the upside of, you know, better health, better enjoyment, better enjoyment of your life, you know, it didn't matter how much money we had or how, how you know, high our real estate values were going, you know, near the Toronto area. And mm -hmm. it's nuts. Um, there is currently, we've been hearing from our realtor, who was our first visitor, was the realtor and her husband. <laughs> and uh, the estimates is that between last year when we sold our properties and now, Prices have gone up by 30%. Wow. Okay. And we gave up, you know, money on the table yeah. to be out here. And then now we looked at each other and said, well, what do you think about that? And I think at the end of the day, we agreed that it was worth whatever we left on the table mm -hmm. to enjoy and find a way of enjoying ourselves and our lives that had never occurred to us when we were living in Kitchener-Waterloo, and we had this, and I'd share with people, you know, like, where do you experience this in November, and even December, I think, 
we had this day where you know, we were biking just by the uh, skills park along the Bow River and had these like breathtaking moments for us that we, we this was the first time we had biked kind of out there mm-hmm. and so we were looking out and and I remember we'd gone out in the, the kind of early afternoon and uh, and we were going to go see a performance at the Banff Center that evening and uh, so we were out biking and just enjoying ourselves and uh, and all of a sudden I said hey Linda I think we need to head back and she said what do you mean? I said, yeah, we've been out here for like an hour and a half. She says, I swear to God, I thought it was 10 minutes. Right. And so we said, well, you know, that's pretty, it's pretty great. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she said, all right, well, we got to make our way back. So, you know, we get back and then we go see this, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas music that, uh, the drummer from the Vince Garaldi band came. Okay. The trio. And the artistry, the level of music, and they had said, yeah, people don't realize that Charlie Brown Christmas is the highest selling jazz album in the history of jazz. And and I had thought it was just Christmas music, but to watch it perform, be performed live, we had no idea the artistry and the level it was like the highest levels of jazz, as good as anything that came out of that age. And it was breathtaking. And, and, and I turned to Linda and I said, I feel like my soul is being nourished. Mm-hmm. You know, nature, culture, music, art, that uh, I had deprived it for decades. <laughs> And here we're starting to, you know, find new ways of, of relating and being with each other. And, uh, and I think the opportunity is there, but it, it takes a moment and a choice to choose to pause and, and take a look around and enjoy where we are. Cool. Sunshine, thanks a lot. You shared a lot, a lot of things to think about. <laughs> um, I, I, don't know, I find your journey quite inspiring and excited to sort of be alongside you at least a couple of offices down. Yeah, uh, totally my pleasure. How do um, how do people find you if they want to hook up with you? Um, uh, well, that's always a mystery, but if they... <laughs> <laughs> my uh, email is sunshine at storybuilders.com. Okay. Um, and you can kind of do a Google search uh, for me, Sunshine Chen. And uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, funny that I, I work in a very kind of public medium, but uh, everything <laughs> is word of mouth. But yeah. So yeah, so they can shoot me a line, Sunshine, at uh, storybuilders.com or uh, give me a call at uh, 403-678-8368. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Mountain Life Podcast with Jason Beckdash. Don't forget to rate and review this episode if you enjoyed the show. And you can find more great content online at themountainlifepodcast.com. We'll catch you next time.